Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1233 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, Brendan Escott, all part of Oilers Now. Brendan is off at Elks today. Uh, well, he's not off. He's on the Elks today. Uh, and so uh, Derek is uh, pinch hitting in studio uh, for us uh, today. But we uh, do want to mention, I mean, just before we get to, because we're going to get our next guest to comment on this, Colin, who's one of the more knowledgeable texters to the show, says, Bob, the Matt Murray LTIR situation stinks to high heavens. He was cleared to play in the playoffs. The NHL lacks credibility, allowing the despicable blue team to get away with this crap. Again, it's referred to as uh, Robodaw Island. All right, uh, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline and hook up uh, with the uh, uh, guy that we try to get on the show every couple of weeks from Puckpedia. Uh, he's got all the numbers and he's got updates all the time on which agencies are doing the best. I'm going to get his thoughts and some signings and, and what the heck uh, the thoughts on Matt Murray going on at LTIR. We welcome back to the show Hart Levine. Hi, Hart. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Leafs' deployment of LTIR here on Matt Murray? Is it a little <laughs> sketchy based upon the fact that he was cleared to return for the playoffs? Yeah, but I guess like Shea Weber played in the last playoff game and then he went on LTIR for the rest of his life, right? So, yeah, it's a little sketchy. I mean, I, the, they they were almost like stuck in that mushy middle where – if your person's not um, healthy or causes the physical, they cannot be bought out. Um, but if they're not injured like long term, then they can't go on LTIR. And that's kind of where they were stuck. And I, I figured they kind of pushed them. You're either healthy, and then we're going to buy you out and like pass the physical, or you're you're not healthy. But then that means like you're out long term. Um, you know, like any anything with LTIR, the league does investigate. A doctor has to sign off on it. So it can, you know, it, it, it's not like they can just just decide it and there's can't be grounded in reality. But we've seen things like Marion Hosta be on LTIR because he had a rash. So there's definitely some some uh, some leeway. And as long as you can get some medical records and a doctor to sign off, um, I guess that's the case. And for Matt Murray, I mean, really, the benefit for him, um, he, he, he's not getting bought out. So he gets all of his money. He, he had an $8 million salary. If he w- was healthy and cleared, they were obviously going to buy him out and he would have lost a third. Of, of his eight million, so financially, it's better for him to be on LTIR. Yeah, I, that's certainly the case. I mean, I can remember in Lupul's case because I think you're probably aware. I used to MC his golf tournament every year, uh, and I had suggested to him, "Don't be surprised if they go down this path." And he actually uh, made a comment, and then subsequently put a post out on in- Instagram. You know because he was a little bit frustrated by the whole process and wanted to keep playing, and he just kind of disappeared with, like, I think three years or two, at least two years left in the deal, and I I actually believe there were teams that would have contemplated trading. He had a fused vertebrae, so the Leafs could have failed him at any time because of something that had happened with the back. He had a back challenge, and, uh, and they elected to go down that path early in the Mike and Babcock experience. So this started with Stefan Robot on it. I guess in the case of the Leafs, uh, Hart, it has been deployed on multiple occasions. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's, it's, teams have done this before. 
for like sort of sketchier things than Matt Murray. Like again, Matt Murray didn't play down the stretch. I mean, he might have been cleared, but he didn't play. Um, like again, Shea Weber played the last minute of the playoff game and never played again. Same with Hosa. All of a sudden, now he has a rash after finishing the playoffs. They couldn't play again. Um, so it, it happens. And the Leafs, are, they are already going to be an LTR team with Muzzin. So it's like, you know, compared to the Oilers, they wouldn't. the Oilers wouldn't necessarily want to have a guy in that situation this year because they're not going to be an LTR team. Now, like last year, you, you know, when they already were going to be an LTR, there's no downside um other than some off-season maneuvering, there's really no downside to have it just being even more in LTIR. So let's say the Oilers had a guy in a similar position that they wanted to get rid of. It would have been fine for them to put him on LTIR when they had other guys. Now this year, it, they wouldn't want to do that if, unless they have to. But for the least, again, they, they have Muzzin. They're going to be in LTIR. Um, looking at the roster now with this move, they can be cap compliant with a 20-man roster. Um, maybe they'll make other moves so they can carry more. But as of now, you, I could see them running with, with 20 guys and being just under the cap to start with um, and then, then going from there. All right. Uh, you can uh, text us at any time at 780 496 Give me a, a quick rip on um, where we're at with Raphael Lavoie. Were you surprised that he took the qualifying offer? And maybe explain to our listeners the path that Ryan McLeod took last year where he took less than the QO. And is that uh, maybe something that... Uh, Lavoie's camp should have contemplated. I was very surprised to see him accept his qualifying offer. And just just for to to kind of recap, the players that are restricted for agents for the team to keep their rights and for them not to move become a UFA, they have to offer a qualifying offer. For players that made under a million dollars, um, that's a five percent raise over their their previous uh, base salary. So yes, Lavoie his. His qualifying offer was eight hundred seventy-four thousand. Um, teams can, or players can decide to accept that until July fifteenth. At that point, it expires, and for the, the then the team has to make a new offer for the player to sign. So often, though, you'll see uh, for guys in Lavoie's situation, they'll they won't take their qualifying offer and they'll sign a deal for many reasons. Usually, it's because the qualifying offer is a two-way deal at the at seventy thousand in in the minors. So the ball is only going to make seventy thousand if he's in the minors. Um, yes, he'll make eight seventy-four in the NHL. But if he were to sign a lower deal at like the minimum seven seventy-five, there's a better chance he's in the NHL. Um, so he kind of would get more days at a at a NHL salary, but also there was an opportunity to negotiate and have a higher minor league salary. And my understanding is, you know, he wasn't going to get a one way deal from the Oilers, but he certainly would have got more than seventy thousand, maybe a couple hundred thousand in the minors. So the question is, like, did he now price himself out of making the lineup? Depending on where Bouchard and McLeod come in, um, they might not have room for anyone else on the roster other than a seven seventy five thousand dollar player. So he's betting, I guess, that she's so good that the, either the Oilers will make room for him or uh, he needs waivers. And so if they waive him, someone else will, will sign him that has cap space and then he'll be an NHL player and, and make that extra 100000 But from my perspective, it seems a little short-sighted. I mean, 100000 who wouldn't want that? But ultimately, the, the goal should be to make the NHL and be a regular, get it, and he'll make the most money by playing the most games in the NHL. Um, and I, I know agents that... The teams have even offered, you know, more than the league minimum 
just this last summer, and the agent said, no, actually, I, I, we don't want to take more than the league minimum. We want to take the league minimum because we want to make, we want to give our guy the best chance of, of making a team, and we don't want anything going against him to not make the team. So, like, no thanks, no thanks for that extra money. We'll take less to to make sure we get get our player established as an NHL player. So, yeah, it was a very surprising decision um, by me, and I think even by the team. I got to tell you, I was a little bit, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised. Just knowing, you know, like, you know, I, it's a little bit. Tell me this. Are, are you surprised that Bouchard and McLeod aren't signed yet? Um, no, because, you know, deadlines for action and, and McLeod's uh, arbitration hearing isn't for another just uh, almost two weeks now or a week now. So I think it'll, if they settle, it'll be kind of right before. Um, and I don't think they could, they can't sign Bouchard before McLeod because they'd be kind of stuck. Like if they get, if they sign Bouchard and then it goes to arbitration and, and McLeod gets an award that they're not, that doesn't make it all fit for their puzzle, then they're, they're kind of stuck. So I think the order had to be either at the same time or McLeod first. And, um, I think, you know, now where they're at now, they, they're probably go to the last minute. I think strategically, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but seeing with the arbitration award for Khrushchev and seeing some of these other deals, yes. I, I'm sure they're kind of kicking themselves. Like maybe they would have paid a little bit more than they wanted, you know, if they did the deal a month ago, but it probably was less than what they're going to end up having to pay. But, you know, it's easy for us to say that now after the, the recent signings. Um, and that's always the gamble, but Definitely looking back, if they would have signed, I'm quite confident to say if they would have signed McLeod, you know, in June, it'd be less than what they're going to end up paying them. Uh, Hart Levine joining us right now from Puckpedia. Hart, are you surprised how quiet it's been for the last two weeks? Like it is, like, you know, we had obviously, we knew it wasn't going to be a super free agency class out there. Um, and is this just a byproduct of the flat cap? And do we expect more uh, more movement next year? Yeah, it is surprising. I mean, the, I would say the first week of free agency was quieter than I expected, especially in terms of trades and, and things like that. So, and guys that we expect to be traded not moving yet. So, you know, when that when the first week was quieter, I definitely thought, okay, well, then the next week or two will be busier to get some of that action done, and then and it hasn't happened. So now we're we're where we are now. I would think that we're going to have a bit of a lull here before before teams reengage. I mean, the, these these teams the People that work there, they, they work hard and it's been very busy and they need some downtime too. So um, I think now we're getting to where, where guys are taking vacation and things like that. Skills will still get done. You've got these arbitration awards or arbitration hearings set. I know like a lot of the talk on potential extensions, either for current RFAs or, or players that even have one year left in their deals, a lot of these situations, there's been some initial conversations, maybe a little back and forth, and it's kind of been left like, well, let's check back in a, in a couple of weeks. And so I wouldn't expect those to kind of pick up for another few weeks. So, uh, but it has kind of been an underwhelming offseason. I mean, there, there was a lot of players yes. expected to be traded, and they just haven't happened yet. Um, now, that could happen, you know, on a late Friday night, like with that Kachuk trade last year. But um, I, I would be surprised if we start training camp and there's, some of these deals haven't been done, but the question is just when in the summer does well, it happen? Eric Carlson's the big one. Like, the, you know, and, and based on Carolina's moves over the last couple of days, uh, Ajo, by the way, what do you think of that deal, Ajo, at 9.75 million times eight? Uh, I, I think that's a little bit 
probably that's the last thing he'd get on the open market. But I mean, he wanted to stay there. He wanted to play there. Um, like the organization, they're a winning team. So you know, that's the decision that goes into it. Um, I think that considering Carolina's history with contracts, it looks like um, while they maybe didn't get the cap hit they wanted, they got like more trade protection than Carolina typically gives out. He got, he got a full no move up until the final year where it becomes a 15-team no trade, I think. So I, that's not something Carolina usually does. So that, that was kind of a, a win for the, the player. And he also got signing bonuses throughout, including um, in the potential lockout year coming or whether the new CBA. So again, that's not something Carolina typically does. So while the AAV, the cap hit was maybe a little lower, I think there were some wins from the from the player standpoint. But yeah, there's no question to me if he hit the market a year from now, he's getting significantly more than that. Um, but you know, it's still it's a lot of money and a security, and it's where he's comfortable staying. We're joined right now by Hart Levine from Puckpedia. All right, Hart, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't think we've we've discussed this yet. What do you think it's going to end up costing to get McDavid and Drysaddle signed to long-term extensions? Again, the Oilers are the only team that can offer them eight-year deals, right? As of right now, unless they were to trade the rights, um, they're making a combined. Uh, what are we at right now? Uh, Twenty-three and a half. No, uh, twenty-one million between the two of them. Twelve and a half for Leon, yeah, and eight and a half for Leon. Um, realistically, what are we looking at here? You know, 27, 28, 30 million? Um, I think 30 is not far off, eventually. Yeah. I mean, let's like, let's play out where the cap is going to be. So we're going to, let's say 88 in a year from now. Um, 92, so the, dry, hopefully yeah, 92. So settled, yep. Yeah. So when dry settled new deal starts, that would be 92. When Connor's next deal starts, that's 95 or even higher with the Canadian TV contract coming up. So, you know, on a so let's so for most of the deal, it's going to be around a hundred million dollar uh, cap. We hope, yeah. So in, unless yeah, there's so, uh, another pandemic or unless television money falls flat, yeah. Right. I mean, I, 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 I think I think without like really studying it, I think thirty million is pretty reasonable. Like you know, Connor over fifteen and Leon below, maybe, maybe like seventeen and a half, twelve and a half. You know, so somewhere in there. I, I, just quickly, that doesn't seem unreasonable. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? I mean, it will be. What's really interesting to see is, like, we, we talk about next year, the cap's going to be so much higher, but there's way more free agents next year because we've got basically all the most of the key guys from this free agent class signed one year deal, so they're going back to the market next year. So you're kind of like doubling up those classes. You've got a lot of other players that had timed it to hit free agency at that point. Um, and yeah, the cap is going up, but as we just saw this last year, all, like a huge chunk of the one million the cap went up this year was chewed out by bonus overages, so from the year before. And we're going to see the same thing this year. I mean, I think we'll probably see, you know, at least half the league finish right at the cap or using LTR and over it again. And that means any bonuses earned are going to be overages for next year. We saw like the Oilers. I mean, I'd be shocked if they don't have a couple million dollar overage from Connor Brown. So, you know, the cap is going to go up, let's say four and a half million, but how many teams are going to be losing, you know, one million, two million, three million of that for overages. So it will be interesting to see if we really see the explosion in contracts next year, or it takes a couple of years um, to see the, the, the prices really go up. You got a price point on, on a two year term for both McLeod and, uh, Bouchard that you think is the sweet spot? I mean, from I've heard 
heard some people uh, talking about to the contrary. For me, Bouchard, his points per game are are similar to Byron Miller, um, actually a little bit less um, when you look at the points per game. And he played quite a few less minutes. Like those guys are both 22 minutes, and he was 18 and a half. And you know, NHL defensemen, it doesn't. It might seem simple, but they get paid for points and minutes, basically. So to me, he should be a touch below those guys. I mean. Now, will that actually happen? I don't know. But if I if I'm looking at it kind of independently, I would put them more like at maybe three seven or three seven five. Really? Um, and then and McLeod, I would have said he's around two million all day. But I mean, I don't know how you can look at Kershaw and say he shouldn't be minimum the same, if not more. So you know, I'm, I'm going to say he gets you know around Kershaw's two point two five now. Yeah, I I I got. Uh... Boosh, maybe just under four, like a smidge under four, three nine, something like that. Uh, and maybe they get McLeod at two point one times two. We'll have to see. The Kershev definitely works against them. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, the, the one opportunity they have is like if they're now not going to be able to fit um, twenty two guys and they're going to twenty one. There is potentially like a little bit, a couple hundred thousand more, and so maybe they play with the terms, right? Like maybe they look at a three-year deal on either one, um, or maybe they have to switch, or they do want to go back to the twenty-two man roster and they switch to look at a one-year term on one of them. I mean, that we, we've been talking two years that for both that seems like the most likely, but you know that the, the deal's not signed, so maybe they do look at a, going to one or three on either one. Hart, great stuff. How do people follow you? Um, on Twitter at Puckpedia and on the website Puckpedia.com. Uh, hey, one more thing. Just uh, Jerry Johansson, the Sports Corporation. Technically, Radicalio is listed as the agent for uh, Sebastian Ajo because you have an agent leaderboard, right? Uh, I mean, that's interesting just in terms of because I, I think we both believe that Jerry probably ended up negotiating most of that deal. Uh, I mean, if you included the numbers on uh, Ajo along with Lec- uh, Arturi Lekkanen and Yoel Armia, uh, I'd probably put uh, Johansson up another, what, another $100 million bucks in terms of contracts overall, get him into about the $700 million. I mean, that's a fair amount, isn't it? You're up there when, you're, when you have those sort of numbers. De- definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty common for, for these agents in North America to partner with European agents. And in most cases, um, it's the North American one that um, is, is sort of like handles the, the negotiation and everything. Right. Um, and it's sort of the face. But I know uh, Mika Radicalio is a little bit more involved in those. And, and yeah, his, his name goes on the contract, too. So, um, But it's not uncommon for there to be partnerships between these European agents and, and North American ones. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us, Hart. Thanks. It is 1251 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. I'm going to get to some of your texts momentarily. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1254 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you. Derek Scott, Brendan Escott. We're all part of Oilers Now. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that Oilers Now sent you. Uh, Roos Chris open Tuesday through Sunday from... Uh, Tuesday through Sunday uh, from what time? Uh, 5 p.m. until close. And the Oilers Now Injury Reports brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown's going to be monitoring the Edmonton Elks this weekend. I think he's uh, in the end zone, if I uh, recall uh, correctly. i got to read this text. And it comes to us on the Ashley Five Floors uh, text line. Trent Brown, by the way, uh, winner uh, of the... 
uh, Grey Cup with the S back in 1983. Uh, we will tell you, uh, here's the text. It comes to us from Tyler, and Tyler's done a little bit of math. He said, Bob, when Leon Dreisettle and Connor McDavid were signed to their deals in the summer of 2017 by Pete Chiarelli, they totaled for $21 million cap. That was 28% of a $75 million cap hit going in for the 17-18 season. If the cap goes to $95 million in the next three years, could the Edmonton Oilers get Connor and Leon done for $26.6 million? Possibly, I I could see that. I don't, I don't think Connor McDavid is hung up on having to get eighteen or nineteen million, like twenty percent of the cap, which is the max on a ninety-five million dollar cap. So, there you have it. Um, into the Ashley Fine Flores text line, and Ken says, Bob, why is uh, the listener Colin fixated on the Leafs' LTIR shenanigans? It's less egregious than the line-cheating Vegas Golden Knights maneuvers with Mark Stone allowing them to acquire the Russian and Stone miraculously healthy for the playoffs that tainted their Stanley Cup win. Screw the Knights, says Ken. Um, well, that, you know what? They did it a couple years in a row. I think that's what kind of frustrated folks... Um, I mean, I guess uh, the Oilers, in theory, except Evander Kane wanted to play. I mean, some might have said they should have just kept Evander Kane out all of the regular season after he sliced open, his, but it was a different type of injury, uh, sliced open those uh, wrist tendons. Um, there's no mistake Vegas used uh, the LTIR space, and that allowed them to add a player of the caliber of Ivan Barbashev, and Barbashev ended up on their top line. So it was a very astute move by Kelly McCrimmon, who is ruthless. Again, uh, 780-496-0063, Dunner in North Van. Bob, do you ever envision an NHL salary system wherein players sign not for a dollar value, but a percentage of the cap? This would address the never-ending issue of fixated players' salaries versus a constantly evolving cap. No. Uh, it's going to... It's a cap... And I get what you're saying, and there's a lot of logic to it, but I do expect there to be a fixed real dollar amount, not a cap percentage amount. Um, and away we go. I, Keith, I will come and get you. We'll get you in one minute. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Sonny in Vancouver says, Bob, would Jake Evans at 50% retain make sense for the Oilers at 4C before the season starts rather than at the deadline? Sonny, you're, you're a smart dude. He's a right shot, had some concussion issues. Uh, there's a right shot in Washington that's a cheaper price point. Maybe doesn't have the same upside as Jake Evans. Okay? So there's a couple different guys. You can look it up. They both got two years term left. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back in studio, the great Gretzky, Keith Gretzky, when we return on Oilers Now. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.